Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios. This is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. So what in the world is Speak Your Truth, Allie? <laughs> okay, let me give you a kind of a definition. This is according to the Human Resources Department at a California University. Uh, it says, speak your truth. It's being able to communicate your needs, ideas, boundaries, and even your convictions to others without wavering and in a way that pe- other people can hear you. I think I need that again. That's so profound and deep. Is it really? <laughs> Do you think that? Okay. Being able to communicate your needs, ideas, boundaries, and even your convictions to others without wavering and in a way that other people can hear you. This is often done in a situation or relationship important to you or when it feels like the stakes are high. So this isn't uh, subjectivity. It is just sharing what's going on in your life. Well, the interesting thing is this is the definition, but this is is often not how it's used. Sure. So – it's used in a way to share this is the way I'm going to live and that's kind of the way I'm going to roll. Right. So communicating your needs, ideas, boundaries, all of those things are great. But the idea that that is somehow your custom right. truth that nobody else can oppose because it's your truth is where it gets a little squiggly to use a Carlism. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, you know, the interesting thing about truth is that there are, as we're talking with um, York Moore here just a few minutes ago, there every, almost every modern or developed society has some form of um, true north, a compass that mm-hmm. keeps them grounded. Now, Europe, interestingly enough, having all my ancestors come from Sweden, we don't have that anymore. It's gone. There's no Bible there. So it's really fly by the seat of your pants. But in a Judeo-Christian ethic where you believe in uh, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, as your guiding principle, we've got a lot of claims. And by the way, although we've had this, I'd say for the vast majority of the people over the vast amount of years that we've been a nation, that doesn't mean we adhere to it. Mm -hmm. It just means that it's kind of there. But it really has been a backdrop for all that we do. And in a post-Christian world, a lot of that has just evaporated. Yeah. So when people say, I'm going to speak my truth, you know, the interesting thing about that is really, what do you have that you're kind of standing on? What's the launching off point to determine your truth? And that's when it becomes totally subjective. I am not opposed at all to people sharing how they're feeling or their situation in life or what they're going through, which is part of what that definition alludes to. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Allie. It's, it's gone beyond that, has it not? Certainly. And I, I think it's driven by I, – I think we give the benefit of the doubt here. It's driven by a motivation that we need to be able to communicate clearly and not – shy away from saying hard things, not uh, not clam up when it comes to speaking, advocating for ourselves. I think that's kind of what drives this. But this, it just gets, and, and I'll insert my opinion, it gets dangerous when yeah. you, when you, when one truth collides with another truth and you realize that both things can't be true. Yeah. And so we get a lot of tribalism going on in our country today. So you have a lot of transgenders that are kind of tribing up and then you have uh, uh, really right leaning people that are tribing up and left leaning people that are tribing up. And this is why it's so important for a healthy 
any healthy nation, I think, to have some kind of unifying true North Star. This is why you have national anthems. You know what I mean? This is our national anthem. This is our pledge of allegiance. This Mm -hmm. is our. It's a funny thing. You know, I think we've been doing it for so long that we don't even, you know, you stand up before a a sporting event or some big concert or something and everybody stands at attention and then someone sings this song that we all know by heart. I remember doing this not too long ago and thinking, this is really odd. Yeah. It's it's really kind of an odd thing. But it's unifying. (laughs) You know, one of the things that. There's nothing you know, after watching the Roosevelt's. Um, what a great! I guess they call it a movie, not even a biopic. Ken Burns is an amazing historian. But the interesting thing about World War II is that it was incredibly unifying. I mean, we went from a population because of the Great World War, the Great War, which is World War One. People came out of that, and we need to remember the history of our nation was that prior to World War II, any notion that we would get involved globally, 85% of the American population did not want to have anything to do with skirmishes beyond our borders. That was nationalism, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then, and and FDR had to walk this tightrope. He, believe it or not, whether, wherever you stand on this, this is why it's so good to look back at history. Wherever you stand on what, what we should have done and what he did with the New Deal and all that, FDR had to walk a tightrope of moving 85% of the populace who did not want to get involved at all mm-hmm. in World War II, moving them all the way to the point where they retrofit all the automobile makers, all manufacturers to making armaments and weaponry for World War II. You can look back at history now and say that if we hadn't done that, the the European landscape and maybe even the United States of America would have looked much different because no one would have stopped Hitler. But what's interesting about World War II is that it unified us. It gave us this unity. But in an absence of a, of a moral document or a common enemy – isn't that interesting yeah. how a common enemy can guide, guide, bring you together? Absolutely. So true. And groups, it brings groups together. It brings all kinds of tribes together. Yeah. But we don't have a common enemy much in our nation right now. 9-11 brought us together for about two weeks. We saw a massive resurgence in people coming back to church post 9-11. Lasted a couple <laughs> weeks. But apart from a common enemy or a unifying document, you get all this little tribalism all over the mm-hmm. place. And you're right, Allie, it, it can create, we're sounding pretty philosophical here this morning, but I've done a lot of thinking about it. It can create a lot of trains that are running on the same tracks headed toward one another. Because guess what? My truth, Allie, if you don't get my truth, too bad. Because my truth is my truth. Mm-hmm. But that really causes some conflict, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think this is what we're going to talk about coming up, the the importance of pursuing the truth. Yeah. I've got to be true to myself. Got to be true to myself. Anyway, y'all. Got to be true to myself. That's kind of the early version, isn't it? Got to be true <laughs> yeah, probably. To be true to yourself, man. Be true to yourself and speaking your truth, though, or a world's apart a little bit. Well, <laughs> They're a ways away. You know, it's interesting. Um, we're talking about buzzwords all week, and um, it, we hear these things everywhere mm-hmm. out there. 
and speak your truth or live your truth. That whole thing is out there heavy. And you got to ask a question. How do you even talk about that with someone? How do you discuss that? That's a good, that's a good one. To what do you, what do you say? I mean, I think, you know, I love great apologists who come at this from a very kind of intellectual argumentation of really looking at, at different claims and if they can hold up. And so I think I would take that approach of really talking about can multiple things be true at the same time? Because certainly you can hold up truth and you can disagree. I can say this is true and you can say, no, I don't think it's true. And we can disagree there. Yeah. But I think we should have agreement around the fact that truth does exist in some objective form. Yeah, that's that's fascinating because we're getting to a point where there is no objective form. Exactly. It's and so totally subjective. I think that's where I would I would push back because I would say, OK, I see a chair. Do you think that's a chair? I think that's a chair. Do you think that's a chair, Carl? You may say, no, I, I would call it something else. But it either is a chair or. Or it isn't, regardless of who, whether you and I are right. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking as well, Carl. You were talking about uh, joining a, like a church softball league at the beginning of the show today, and you said you slid into second, and you knew that I, you I were running, safe. No, I was running past it on a. Oh, triple, you were running past it. Okay, and I touched the bag. Yes, and the the second baseman said you didn't touch the bag. Right, and you said, "Hey, I know I touched the bag." Yeah. Well, you look back on it, both of you think you are completely right in what you experienced mm, was true right but at the end of the day you either did or exactly. did not touch That's the a bag great example it doesn't matter how both of you feel about it one person was correct and and even if you can't wasn't. definitively say after the fact who was the fact of the matter is either you did or you didn't but we we live in a world today where you can look at objective facts but people will now shake their heads and yes. go no, I don't feel like that is correct. Yeah. I mean, I you, you look at the I mean, chromosomes are chromosomes, right? Mm -hmm. Gender is fluid in our world today. It is. And by the way, I'm not even angry about that. No, I'm not mm -hmm. at all. I'm I'm sad mm -hmm. about that yeah. just because it's you know, I, I was thinking about this, too. I, I saw Corey Brooks early this morning on a cable show talking about what's going on in the city and crime and things like that. You know, it's interesting. Objectivity comes into play when it starts hitting home. Take the issue of crime. Sure. I mean, the fact is Lori Lightfoot might, will probably get bumped. Who knows what will take, who will take her place, but she's going to get bumped because you can say there's not a problem with crime, but when the city residents go, no, there is there's it's objectifiable here. This yeah. this is this is objective truth. There is there is crime issue here. It's it's just it seems like there's a a point in which that we live in our in our culture today where until it gets pressed to where it really starts hurting you or affecting you, things are gonna be really squiggly to use a alley. Yeah. <laughs> We've been trading that one off this morning. <laughs> and I think the, the, the big yes for all of us is that truth is something to be valued. It's something to be pursued and it's something to build your life upon. Yeah. And you, you hit a good point here. So this is what Jesus says. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, this is what he said. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. Whoa. But here's the kicker, comma, and the truth will set you free. 
York Moore was on with us earlier here, and I think that I I I appreciate what he does because he appeals to the the turmoil in a person's soul and the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ. And by the way, he doesn't shy away from eternal hell, yeah. consequences of sin, the ugliness of this stuff. And I think rather than stomping your feet and saying, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to the Father but by him. Jesus actually puts a comma at the end of the statement, you will know the truth. He says, and the truth will set you free. I think the greatest hope that we have in appealing to a very subjective world that we live in is how's it's kind of it's a Dr. Phil question. How's that working for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I love this passage of scripture because you will know the truth. How will you know the truth? If you abide in my word. Yeah. You're my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. My truth how we currently use it can't set me free. That's the point. There's no the, freedom link that's, to it. I think that's the that's the appeal that we have to have. Yeah. Is in uh, the because that's what Jesus said. Let's just read this here again. If you abide in my word, and by the way, this word word is uh, logos or laga, um, and it's it's meaning the totality of the truth that is found in the Godhead. It's mm-hmm. not just the words that Jesus said, but the totality of truth that's found in the Godhead. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, comma, and the truth will set you free. See, if there was no payoff there, if you put a, if you put a period where there is a comma, you become an angry evangelical. If Ooh, you yeah. keep a comma where there is a common, go on to, and the truth will set you free. Now you become a freedom fighter. That's the why. Yeah, that's the why. Yeah, the screaming why. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool thing. So I look at the world today and I get sad. I can get sad this morning. You ever get sad when you look at the world? Absolutely. I, I do. Yeah. I get particularly sad because I have a teenager now when I when I see and hear all of the things that teenagers are dealing with and the levels of depression and anxiety and confusion that young people are being confronted with. And then I see a verse like this and I think we have to uphold truth, objective truth linked to the word of God, because that's how we can help our kids live free. Yeah. And and it's. And we we need to put freedom on display. Yes. I mean, how do you argue with someone who walks into a school and says, I'm a furry? That's the big thing now, by the way. People are identifying as animals or or it's that's the term, furries. Sure. And it's becoming popular. Mm-hmm. They're they're moving in little packs together. All that tells me is is that whatever was modeled for them didn't didn't cast a vision for something big enough to save them from craziness. Yeah. It's a hard thing, guys. My heart aches for these kids. I, I'm with you, Allie. I look at what's going on in our world today and and I've talked to some public school teachers mm-hmm. and what they're seeing every day at school, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's really hard because what, what I see happening in my kids' generation, is that we're now communicating to kids that there is no one truth. That whatever is your truth is what you should own and live by. 
And it's like, no, that's that's not going to lead to any kind of freedom. And it's an interesting thing, too, because I was thinking, are we way behind? Are we all right? A little bit behind. Um, So if you just take the issue of the inherent value based on empirical data of a nuclear family versus a broken family Mm -hmm. or a redefinition of family, it's interesting there, too, because you can't even look at empirical data with regard to recidivism rates and incarceration rates and truancy rates and all those things, that doesn't work anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't even bring data to the table Mm -hmm. because it's for some reason in our world today. And by the way, don't think for a moment we aren't aware of this. There is a spiritual war afoot here. Yes, to promote confusion. Oh, my goodness. Is it true? Can I believe that? Let's find out together with Buzzwords Week on Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, one of the things for sure that we are tackling this week that really surprised me, I this one caught me off guard. I didn't know how good this was going to be. But buzzwords, they're everywhere. And here's the problem. Buzzwords, buzz phrases. If you let these things be your true North Star, they can get you in a world of hurt. And you see these, you hear these, they're often on inspirational posts, whether it's on social media. Sometimes you see them on T-shirts and greeting cards, and you see them reflected in movies. Yesterday, we talked about this idea of following your heart. They're everywhere. And it's you, Carl, you've been saying it's truth with a twist at the end. Yeah, yeah. I forget who came up with this. Maybe maybe the man of the hour knows that York Moore with us right now. York, uh, who in the world first came up with a lie is nothing but the truth with the twist at the end? Do you remember that phrase? I don't remember that phrase, but it is interesting. All these, um, we would call them memes. Some people call them, you know, uh, one-liners, but they definitely reflect culture, don't they? I mean, they're, they're telling us something about how people are thinking of themselves and the world. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, we're going to throw you in the deep end here. Speak your truth. It's everywhere. Here's my take on this one while you're cogitating on it because we're hitting York cold, but he can handle it. This guy's good. We'll give the full <laughs> bio here in a second. Speak your truth. It's an interesting thing. This is what it strikes me as, though. It's like trains colliding. It's like it's it, somewhere you might find people in your tribe that agree with your truth. But sooner or later, people even in your tribe aren't going to they aren't going to jive with your truth. Am I wrong, York? I would say that you're answering that from a specific generational perspective. Ah, right. So good. Jesus is always the way, the truth and the life. And for my generation, I'm an extra. I was born in 1969. We were primarily motivated around questions of truth and reality. And so for us, the relevance of Jesus was that he, he is true, that the Bible is true, that the true claims of Jesus are true, and we went bananas you know, over those kinds of things. I think we're in a, a different era. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't something troubling about speak your truth. There is something inherently troubling about that. But I think this generation is actually coming at the question of whether or not the Christian faith or religion, whatever, the, whatever they're you know, thinking about, yeah. whether or not it's personally relevant. And so when somebody says, I'm going to speak my truth, right, what they're saying is, I'm going to stand by my personal convictions. I'm going to believe my story. Now, there's lots of things wrong with that, right, because there's no, there's no focal point. There's no locational reality based on, in truth. But I, I do think we need to step back and ask ourselves the question, is our generational bias putting undue uh, judgment on people when they use phrases like that? And I'm, I would say I'm that, willing that, to do that. I'm willing to do that. 
R. York Moore, our guest right now, he has an active ministry on TikTok. He's got lots of other things that he's doing, but TikTok is where you are really connecting with young people. How many people are you connecting with? I, I guess followers is the question uh, on TikTok. Yeah, about 640,000. And I think what's what's important for people to understand when they hear that number, the TikTok is not like the next Instagram. It's it's a very different platform. It's an outreach platform. It's not a social platform. So Instagram, Facebook, people are very familiar with those platforms. That's primarily predicated upon connecting with real people for the purpose of community. This is a consumption platform, an outreach platform. People go on there like they, they go on Netflix. And so, in fact, mm-hmm. I think that the next iteration of, of TikTok will be in your hotel room. You'll be able to watch TikTok like a channel, like you would Showtime or HBO, because it's primarily about education. It's not about community. So if I, have, if I say I have 640,000 followers, that doesn't mean I have relationships with 640,000 followers. It means I'm entertaining 640,000 people. And in fact, over the last year and a half, I've had over 350 million views across my library, and I've seen over a quarter of a million people pray to receive Jesus. And out of those, uh, I would probably say about 70,000 people are regularly consuming my content. They're watching playlists, they're joining me in lives. Over the course of a month, I might have that many people engaging in my content. So it really is a platform like, like none other. I mean, these other platforms have been around for a long time. I think they are aging out. They're trying to adapt to a TikTok world, but they're very different platforms. Okay, I've got a lot of questions here. Let me back up because I am willing to look at my boomer bias. I am. Let me ask this. How much of this is born, speak your truth, is born out of a post-Christian culture? And I was thinking about this here a few weeks ago. We were talking about this on air. The Hindus have the Bhagavad Gita. They may not read it, but it's the kind of the guiding construct of their culture. Islam has the Quran. They may not read it, but it's got some guiding construct. We're in the European post-Christian. The Bible's not a guiding construct anymore. Am I? No. no am I? Am, is that correct? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And I and I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read the Quran. I've read the Bible. And uh, that makes me somewhat of a unicorn, right? So yeah. most people are not reading these books. Even religious adherents to those religions aren't reading those books. But here's an interesting thing. So if we go back to TikTok for a second, one of the trends on TikTok is a point of view kind of get ready with me. And yes. you can do these for anything. So get ready with me to go to church. Get ready with me to go to the club. Get ready with me with me to go on my first date. And there's something incredibly powerful and compelling about inviting a viewer to join you in your regular everyday activities. Get ready with me to bake cupcakes or whatever it might be. And they're going along. So remember I said that for my generation, Jesus was the truth. Now, Jesus is always the truth. But the question is, how does Jesus actually present himself as relevant in this generation? So if Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, I would argue that for this generation, for Gen Z, the people who are primarily consuming content on TikTok, they're looking for a savior who is the life. They're looking for someone who they're going to be all in that actually spreads across every square inch of their lives. In the Coalition for Christian Outreach, which I lead, we have this phrase, every square inch, Jesus is Lord over every square inch. And I think what we're actually seeing is a generation like we've never seen before. We know that Gen Z is the largest generation in American history. We also know that it's the first time in American history where the nons, those who are not religiously affiliated, now outnumber those of us who are religiously affiliated. As an evangelist, I look at that and I'm like, 
this is great news. This is a blue ocean opportunity where Jesus is actually news for the majority of Americans. And now we can go direct to consumer on our mobile devices. I can preach eight inches from somebody's face on their mobile device as they're riding in the backseat of their their mother's SUV. I mean, we've never had an opportunity like this before. In fact, I'd go so far to say that this is the greatest evangelistic opportunity in American history. This is amazing. And we're starting to see it all over the country. I was just preaching a week ago at our organization's conference. We do a big conference called Jubilee every February in Pittsburgh. I had 170 students come forward to receive Jesus. Uh, I mean, that number is probably triple what we would normally see. We're seeing a move of God across the country, online and in person. We could talk about Asbury. We could talk about what's going on in Dallas and Southern California. God is on the move in a powerful way. Yeah, I broadcast two mornings live from Asbury. I went down there and got before 30,000 people showed up. I was down there for two mornings, and it is authentic, and it's no celebrities. It's just organic. Okay, coming up. We have R. York Moore with us right now. So what do you make of this? Uh, How do you then use some of these phrases as part of evangelism? We'll continue our conversation with R. York Moore coming up. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Got a special guest with us right now, R. York Moore. He's a gifted speaker. He's an evangelist. He's active on TikTok. And he is, what generation are you in? I'm a Gen Xer. He's (laughs) Gen Xer, active on TikTok. Okay, so do you utilize any of these buzz phrases, these memes, like speak your truth is what we're talking about today. Do you use these to your advantage when you're communicating with young people? Yeah, absolutely. All the Christian content creators on TikTok are putting funny little twists, uh, different angles, different perspectives. The memes or the phrases or the sayings on TikTok are probably a little edgier. You usually will find them on Instagram a month later. You know, if you want to go to a place where things are, are happening, or mostly people are also happy, Allie, let me just say it. When you, when you spend a lot of time on Facebook and Twitter, you, you think nobody's happy. And then you go to Instagram, you think everybody's beautiful, but still nobody's happy. And then you go to TikTok and you realize, well, these are all the people that I don't know, but everybody's happy. These are the people I want to know. So we're having a great time on TikTok. But I, I will say that the memes actually reflect the heart of the culture. But there's something that we can actually learn about what God is doing in a generation by looking at these phrases that you're talking about, these buzzwords, these memes. They actually reflect, I think, a hunger for authentic community and connection. So one of the things that we're doing, quite a number of us working with the the He Gets Us campaign, I'm sure you've heard of that. Yes. And we're helping people migrate from Instagram and TikTok into the local church. So we call them explorers. We have an opportunity for them to click a link in a bio fill out a form, and we are delivering thousands of explorers, young people who are hungry for connection with the local church, to local churches all across the country in partnership with He Gets Us. So these online tools, I think, are part of the revolution we're talking about. They are part of the revival that God is actually starting to bring to America. This is fascinating. Okay, one final thought. It seems that Speak Your Truth, that statement, has a huge dose of subjectivity. How do you migrate someone from subjective truth to objective truth? Yeah, when I became a Christian, I was an atheist and a persecutor of Christians at the University of Michigan. And my conversion story is somewhat of a Saul to Paul, miraculous, God saved me during an attempted suicide. 
I mean, it's just a crazy story. And as an excerpt story in the context of, let's say, a church gathering or a large group gathering on campus or at a conference, invariably somebody would come up to me afterwards and they said, yeah, that's a, that's a good story, but it's subjective. That's your story. Help me to believe in Jesus based on objective truth. Like that was something that would happen on a regular basis. Then something shifted. Then something happened, you know, probably about 15 years ago, and it's accelerated, where now the personal story seems to have more weight, more gravitas yeah. than the objective truth telling. That doesn't mean that truth telling isn't important. Think of it like a car. Now truth telling is in the back seat. Maybe sometimes it's in the third seat, way in the back if you have an SUV. And what's in the front seat is whether or not a person's story can be believable and applicable to the hearer. So now when I tell my story to Gen Z, it's a powerful, powerful tool to help them connect with the God of the universe. That doesn't mean that truth won't be involved, you know, at some point in time, but it's just not the front end. It's not the on-ramp to faith anymore. It's still important. So a phrase like speak your truth, what that's really saying is, you know, how important is my story in the meaning of the universe? How, how important is my experience in how I'm interpreting what I'm hearing, what I'm experiencing? And for this generation, it's very, very high. It's a very high level of importance in terms of how they're weighting something on it, uh, its applicability to their lives. So you would say, York, don't poo-poo speak your truth, but hear it and take them on a journey. Was that correct? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And here's the last thing I'll say about it is that, listen, we have the best story. So if storytelling is the superpower of our day, guess what? We have the Bible. We have our testimony. We will overcome based on our testimony, right? We have the story of our lives and the story of the Word of God. That's a better story, right? So we will not, we will not lose by shifting from basically making arguments based on objective truth. Now, I'm a philosopher. I, I believe in all of that stuff. We're not going to lose by making the shift to putting the emphasis and the on-ramp to telling a better story. Good stuff. York Moore with us, guys. You can find out more about this guy. If you want to connect with our York Moore, our guest today, just text the word York to 312-274-9624. You can find out about the ministry and the TikTok. You will have his TikTok handle. Is it called a handle? I'm showing my age here. Just it text is. the yeah. word York <laughs> to 312-274-9624. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsor Studios. This is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM, Moody Radio. Uh, what's your favorite buzzword from high school? Um, you know, oh, <laughs> I remember there was a movie that was really popular when I was in high school, and so everybody was saying, as if. Oh, boy, that was huge. <laughs> it that was, was out of, I think, Clueless was the movie. As if. Yes. That was huge. As yes. if. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm super old, so I'll go ahead and throw mine out there right now. Uh, chill out was invented when I was in high school and chill out was everywhere. I mean, everybody said chill out to the point where we had a couple of teachers in high school that are like, chill out is banned from this room. (laughs) If you say it, you're going to the principal's office. (laughs) Chill out was the big word. What about you? Super day. Yeah. Chill out was a big one. Mm. I don't know. I, I, nothing's really like jumping out at me, to be honest. Oh, super die. You're I know. Isn't that weird? Woman. I, I well, I mean, there's so many. You know, I'm thinking. I mean, the the Valley Girl kind of thing went through. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> that was horrible. 
Gag me with a spoon. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the problem is you can do Valley oh Girl no, to a T. Yeah, you can. Supervise really good. Hey, tell us. <laughs> You're already texting. You, you beat me to it. We want to hear. We're talking buzzwords, these uh, memes, these phrases that are popular now. What was popular when you were a young person hmm. well, in high school? Everybody was saying what? 312-274-9624-8191. That's dope. Yeah. That's Keep on trucking. Okay, what about oh, when you no, say 312-274-9624? That's dope. What? That's By dope. the way, that's not a good word. Well, it's true, but... Dope, but, dope is a positive thing, right? Yeah, it yeah, is positive. That, yeah, the way it was really cool. Yeah, yeah no, bi- no big deal. Oh, yeah. That's reaching back. Yeah. <laughs> That's so reaching these back. These things are kind of cyclical. I feel like it's... My kids will come home saying something that they feel like is so new, and I'm like, ha! That's so 1997. <laughs> Fair. Wow. Fair. Mine, mine, for high school, that's dope is probably mine as well. But then I was born in California, so mine if, of all time is Hecatite. Oh, boy. That's, oh, you are so that's, Hecatite. That's Hecatite, bro. Dude, I, I remember there was a, I, I watched an old Christmas video uh, of us as kids in California opening our presents, and there was one of me opening up, and I got, like, some cars or something. I'm, like, six years old. And I go, oh, man, that's Hecatite. And I was like, whoa. It's like, I was a cool oh, little okay, kid, man. Hold on a second. Well, we hecatite. are getting a run. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. On okay, let me go through. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, take a chill pill. Take <laughs> a chill yes. pill. Yes. Hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. Thirteen, thirteen. This goes so far back. Oh. This is sixties. Okay. Far out, man. Far and they also out. added groovy. Uh, so groovy. fly, so fly. Never heard so fly. Oh, yes. so fly. Yes. Absolutely. Mm, Never so heard fly. so fly. Another one. No duh. No, no duh. <laughs> Just go for it. Psych. Uh, Philip from Aurora. Everything is everything. Huh? What? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's uh, weird. How about this know. one? Uh, peace out or yes. don't sweat me, bro. <laughs> I never heard no don't sweat. sweat me, bro. Oh, boy, these are really, really good. So good. That's so rad. Oh, from yeah. Saturday Night Live. Really? <gasps> yes. Mellow out. That's so money. That's so money. Uh, yeah, there yeah. was a time when everybody was calling houses crib. So you want to hang out mm-hmm. at my crib? Oh, no, no. That, that's. Yeah. <laughs> there was even a show called MTV Cribs. Hold it, hold it, hold it. I heard my son tell his team that one day, and I about wanted to throw up. want to hang out at he my says, crib? He says, Dave uh, said, hey, Cabin, where are you going? Oh, back to the crib. Back to the I'm crib. Like, We're going home, <laughs> son. <laughs> Don't, oh. don't pull this crib stuff on me. Oh, We're going on. Oh, my word. There's still oh. whatever. Oh, yes. Whatever. 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 Oh, oh whatever. That, that's killer. You got to say it right. Solid. Solid and right, right on. on. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Hang 10. Now, that goes back to the 60s, 70s. Do yes, yes. you know what hang 10 is? It's a surfing thing, right? Yeah, what is it? I, I, I don't Come know. Come on. Take a guess. What is hang 10? Now, staying up on the surfboard for 10 seconds without falling off. Now, that's in bull riding, and it's eight seconds. I, you going. told me to guess. All right, keep going. You're doing good. You're doing good. Oh, man. What's hang 10, Young Thunder? Um, I don't know. I mean, is it like throwing both your hands up in the air? You got 10 it's, fingers? It's actually 
hanging 10 is when you can ride a board with both feet at the front of the board with oh. your toes draped off that okay. bed. Oh, okay. Hanging okay. 10 toes. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, there's, oh, I re- talk Boss. to the hand. Talk to oh. the hand was a big Talk yes. to the hand is one of the talk rudest the catchphrases ever known to mankind. <laughs> talk to the hand? So I had someone say it to me one time and I'm like, what? And sometimes followed up with, because the face ain't listening. Talk to yeah. the hand. Yeah, that's right. the face ain't listening. That's right. <laughs> yes. Said with so much attitude. Oh, oh man. You can muster what about, up as a 16-year-old. What about Oops 5000? Oops 5000? No. That sounds awesome. I love that. Interesting. Sounds you, like a CD I want to buy. You go, girl. That's sharp. Groovy. Yeah. Flower power. Oh, yes. Flower Bogus. power. Bogus. Yeah, Bogus. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I had, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. a real moment. Hey, Carl. Yeah. Real quickly. I'm going to read to you a couple of... Uh, of 2020 teen slang. Okay. And I want you to tell me what they mean. Okay. Okay. Great. Bet. That's a yes. Affirmative. No. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. For sure. Or you want to bet. Okay. So, see, I was right on yeah, that one. It's All like, right, absolutely. Bet. You want to go out tonight? Bet. bet. I absolutely okay. do. Okay. Bop. <laughs> Hold on. Say, so it's just bop. Bop. B-O-P. Hang on a second. B-O-P. I want to get these right. Bop. That dude's a knucklehead. He's a bop. No, okay. that is referring to a good song. Hey, have you heard uh, Have you heard of this it's new uh, 21 Pilots? It's a bop. Uh, okay. How about this? Uh, let's say slaps. <laughs> My kids love this one. <laughs> Slap, slaps. This is... Some dingleberry that lives next door. Oh, no. Can I tell you how my kids use yes. it? All right, here. Oh, mom, this dinner slaps. <laughs> like, that means it's good, right? Oh, wow. You want to hear that it's as a, a mom? Yeah, yes. It's that, good. If something slaps, it's, a compliment. it's definitely a compliment. All right, let me try one more. Okay. Uh, vibe check. Vibe check. That's how you're feeling. Uh, well, no, it's that he, the person is chill, easygoing. They have passed the vibe check. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, give me one more. It's getting fun. All right. Uh, <laughs> man, let's see. It, da, 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 da. It's the blank for me. Blank. Are we I'm, cursing no, now? I'm not cursing. I'm leaving the thing open. So you can use it's the blank. The oh, blank. Yeah, yeah. A word fills that spot. Any word? Any word. It's the. You know, for me. Oh, man. It's the. It's the super die for me. Well, I don't know how that would be used. What's what's the well? What's the blank? Well, it's it's the anything. So, like I say, if if it's the super die for me, that means man, super die is my favorite person on the show. Oh, yeah. like, well, I like that. So, if one. somebody's watching a movie, or if they see something in a picture, and they're so like they see a picture of a kid dressed up, and they're like, oh, it's the shoes for me. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite part of whatever it is oh, that I'm looking got at. Got it. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, okay. Well. That makes sense. I think I probably used that, but we didn't have it coined. It we just used it in the sixties. Oh, is... Give me one more. One that's more? it. Drip. Oh, that's great. It's dripping. It's, it's awesome. Dripping. What yeah. is it? It's good. It's good. Oh, boy. Kind of, but it's referring to a specific thing. Do you know what it's referring to? Drool. <laughs> oh no! It refers to cool outfit or yeah. items of clothing. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, this is a real story. My dad was walking to a big family event, and one of my little cousins, who's like fifteen, said, "Uncle Jim, you got the drip today." And it was. <laughs> and your dad's your dad's wiping the corners of his mouth. Right, right, right. No, it was because of his shoes. His shoes were dripping. <laughs> this is this is oh. really funny right now. 
Okay. I'm not sure if this is great radio or terrible. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And then we've got one. and then we've got from 8078 they come in with this one. Oh. Bees knees. Bees knees or the, the cat's bees pajamas. Knees. The craziest carpool in Chicagoland. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Uh, somebody just texted in from 1434. Apparently, they're coming up with new uh, our buzzwords. Holy cow. No, that's not a new one. But well, I know. Be, yeah. <laughs> it's been around a while. Screen of Cubs. <laughs> Holy cow. Who, when did Holy Cow show up? I don't oh, know. I when did he use that? Maybe uh, when Aaron to... made that golden calf oh. in Exodus. Exodus. Date on that, huh? Jonathan, what happened? Not a bad shot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Moses came down from the mountain. He said, "Holy cow!" No, he and said, then, "Unholy cow." Well, All right, right, go back to your buzzword. Well, there was yeah. a question. There was a Never question mark at the mind. end of that. Jonathan. So, here's my buzzword. I made this up. All right, uh, new gonna, bu- now give the background. Well, Allie I want to use the it. I want to use it, and okay. then I'm going to see if you can tell what it is. Okay. okay. Carl, loving your hair today, man. That style is bubbling. 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 Yeah. Or, you know what, me? I don't really have any bubble. Bubble. I kind of like it. I feel like that could catch I feel like it. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah, what's bubble? It is trend setting. Because when you when things start to boil, they bubble oh, up. So you really if you're through this. yeah, if if something is very on the rise, good. or you're a trendsetter, so Carl, your hairstyle's bubbling, well, man. That's very kind. Of, although it's not true, it's very kind. <laughs> but but me, bubble, if, I if, really like thank it. You. I like that. If I don't have any bubble, then that means I'm not much of a trendsetter. I'm gonna start using it. I'm a little lame. I'm gonna start using it. All so right, let's get right. this cool. going. So the, let's define it again so that everybody's got it. We don't want it misappropriated. All right. If you are bubbling or if you have bubble, it means you are a trendsetter. It okay. means that you have something that is up and coming. That is actually a phenomenal word. Excellent. What do you think, Boom Crew? Can we get this to catch on with am, the young people? Am I going to be in the history books? <laughs> Text us what your thoughts are on Jonathan's little <laughs> buzzword. Can we get bubbling to go viral? Text us 312-274-9624. What's funny about this is the way this thing's going to be in print. Bubble became popularized when host of Carl and Crew Mornings, Ali Domerson, <laughs> One of the other guys in there to come up with a word, and your name's gonna be left out of the one of the other guys. <laughs> yeah, thunder. Yeah, you'll tell your kids, Hey, I'm that other guy. I'm one of the other guys. I was that guy. No, you weren't, Dad. No, yeah. I was. I was. I promise. I promise. I was the first one to say it. I'll All keep right. the audio in a little flash drive that I carry with me everywhere. There you go. Oh, Good man, idea. that's that is that I like is it. Good. All right, give well it done. one more time. One more time. All right, bubbling or to have bubble which is to be a trendsetter or to have something that is up and coming. Your glasses are bubbling. bubbling. Oh, man, that's a new style of glasses that I really love. You got some bubble. Yeah, you got some bubble. Yeah, very nice. That actually is a phenomenal word. Good I think it would work. response from the boom crew. I think you've yes. got some... Uh... Yes. You got some one. Uh, use it today. If you're listening, try to <laughs> use it once today. If you believe in Young Thunder and his new word. <laughs> believe in me. Don't use it. Try it out. <laughs> Hashtag bubble. All right, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a Carlin Crew prize pack for oh, anyone no. that can record using <laughs> that, that's using bubbling. Yeah, or you got bubble. And and if you are no, if you're 70 or older, 
and you've got a recording <laughs> of you got bubble. The first five people to do it get a Carlin Crew prize pack. You got to submit. How do they submit these things? Um, you can email. Wow. You text us. Can you text us. Uh, you can text the video. Yeah. All right. Text yeah, the, video text the yeah. video to three one two two seven four nine six two four. If you're seventy or older and you're using no any age, any first age. five people. Yeah, Plus five yeah, people yeah. to use uh, bubble. Give the context one more time. Bubbling or to have bubble, a being a trendsetter or having something that is up and coming. Your glasses, Carl, that style's bubbling. Well, thank you. Yeah. So we did get one report back. I'll have to check in this one. But they said that that is actually already a popular term that's used in Africa, especially in Nigeria, used in a very similar way. Interesting. Really? Huh. They well, said, I hate to burst your bubble, <laughs> but man, it's already wow. well, it, ain't, it ain't here. I'm we're we're going to bring it here. I'm we're going to bring it here. Yeah, we're, going, we're bringing it here. I love it. I'm major kudos on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I want to see if this uh, if this gets some traction. Yes. Coming Come up, on, boom, speaking boom. of buzzwords, speak your truth. Come on now, Super Die. You speak your truth. And what in the world do we mean by that? Have we lost objectivity? And is that a problem? Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, we're talking buzzwords all week long. And, man, there's some good ones. Tomorrow, whoo, we got a stinger tomorrow. I mean, this is really important. Tomorrow is <laughs> I am enough. The day following that, love is love. And Friday, you only live once. YOLO. YOLO. <laughs> so this is an important one because when you hear speak your truth, what do you hear, Allie? When I hear speak your truth, I hear somebody say that it usually means that they're going to share their perspective, their opinion on something, but that it's so deeply held that they do not want any pushback. And and even if you've got empirical data that proves otherwise too bad, because this is my truth. Um, I, I think that takes it a next step. I don't know that I would think about that immediately. No, you, but, but, but we hear that in our culture. Sure. I mean, because there's, it seems to be that we're getting into a place here. I mean, come on, talk about chromosomes, talking about what is a, what is, what are the benefits of a nuclear family? You can show the world data now about what things really are, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. Right. So the question is. How do you tackle that one? In And by the way, to be fair, in its extreme extent, how do you tackle that one? And I think the tendency is a lot of times for us who are Christ followers is to say, hey, there is one truth. It is it is God. It is. But even Jesus himself doesn't lay down the hammer that way. In fact, listen to what's said in John 831. This is really cool. The 831 and 32. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth, period. Well, the problem is he doesn't say that. Isn't that cool? There's not a period there. There's not a period there. There's a comma there. And you will know the truth, comma, and the truth will set you free. When we're talking about truth in a culture today, especially as Christ followers, might it be wise for us to not say, 
Jesus is the truth, but rather appeal to the freedom that we experience in Christ as the greatest line of argumentation to turn people on to the author of truth. Because if if, if knowing the truth is linked to freedom, that's something to hold out for. Yeah. I, I think I get fired up about this. We're going to have York Moore with us at the top of the hour, and this guy's absolutely brilliant. But I think that's kind of what he goes toward in his in his apologetics is come on, let's let's not let's not argue is Jesus real? Did he come to earth? Was he a historical figure? Is he the son of God? Rather, what's the fruit of his life? And how's yours working out for you? I mean, he goes after some hard-hitting stuff. doesn't. If you think about truth as something to be pursued, something to be cherished, something to be upheld, you build your life on a foundation of truth, then it's a, it's a win as opposed to just kind of hammering somebody on the semantics of it and saying, no, there's no such thing as your truth. It's the truth or it's nothing at all. I think then we diminish what people's intent is. I'm going yeah. to give the benefit of the doubt for that. A lot of this is a push toward being able to clearly articulate how I feel about something, uh, what I'm thinking. I don't want to be I, I don't want to be spoken for. And I think some of that is driven by a, a good motivation. Yeah, No, that's right. Some of it's good. Yeah. So we don't want to squash people. No, but. And and then then the question is how do we ultimately guide people in a post Christian world into the truth of Jesus Christ? And the fact is, if we put real freedom on display, I mean, don't people want to be free? Yes. I mean, don't they want to be free? And Doctor Phil asks a great question. That's a good one. I use it all the time. By the way, how's that working for you? Or what do you want? Right. What do you want? Like, how is your truth working for you? Yeah. How's that working out? Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carlin Crew Mornings. Well, if you've been listening to Moody Radio at all, you might have heard a ministry called India Partners. We're doing a partnership with them. I want to introduce you to David Harms. First, just give us a, give us a little bit of an overview of what India Partners is and what we're aiming to do here. Well, India Partners has been around for uh, several decades. Our primary work, would you would imagine, is in India. But one of those areas that we have spent so much time on is the unfortunate area of human trafficking, mm-hmm. child trafficking in particular. Um, there are girls as young as eight that get trafficked into these red light districts. And uh, we work in numerous different ways. But the summary of it is that we uh, work inside the red light districts. We work to get the girls out of those red light districts. And then we have safe houses where they find the healing love of Jesus. And we have numerous safe houses throughout the Mumbai area of India. And that is where they find the the healing of Jesus because every need gets met, the full room and board. Uh, we have twice a week trauma counseling for them. They go to a private Christian school. All these things are part of our program uh, that is a long-term program, by the way. They come into our safe houses, and we make sure we take care of them, and we will commit to take care of them until they are 23 years old. Wow. So we know this much. They need two things when they walk in the door. They need time, and they need Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And so the the work that is getting done every day is part of that ongoing work of the healing love of Jesus, because as you would imagine, the trauma is pretty steep and pretty deep. David, uh Without getting too graphic, what is the reality that these girls, boys, young women are are facing? What, what is it like, uh, these red light districts? What are they experiencing? 
Well, it typically begins uh, when somebody in a very rural and poor area goes in as literally an agent or a recruiter, and they trick these girls into coming into the city, or they trick the parents and say, look, I can get your daughter some work in the city, and they'll send money back to you. That's very typical. Hmm. And they end up getting trafficked and sold. And again, they're very young. But when they get into the actual work of the red light district, the owners, especially those first 30 to 60 days, are brutal. Uh, I would tell you uh, in a diplomatic way that they will be forced to be with anywhere on the short end, the low end, eight to as many as 25 customers per day, wow. per day. And again, remember, they're eight, nine, 10, 12, 13 years old. And so what they literally do is try to break their will. And then they start feeding them with the messages that go along with the with all that physical abuse, messages like, well, now your parents will never take you back. You will never get married. You will never have a good life. This is your life. This is your destiny. And we know that that is not true. Yeah. And so what we work to do when we get them into our safe houses is we work to change that message uh, into the fact that God has not make them for that work. They are able to have a reclaimed life in Jesus and we find so much hope in that work, but the trauma is so deep, as you can imagine. If you just do the math and realize, you know, they're going to see 8 to 25 customers a day, it just gets horrific. And that's the kind of damage that we we definitely know that only Jesus can heal. You know, we, we talk a lot about freedom uh, on this show. Freedom Friday is one of mm-hmm. our, our hallmarks. Give us a freedom story of how you've seen God really intervene, because certainly only the love of Christ can penetrate the hardness, the brokenness, the pain, the trauma. Uh, give us a story that you've seen that encourages you. I, I love to tell this story because it just happened. Um, after uh, all the COVID years, I wasn't able to travel to India for a couple of years, uh, but I just come, uh, came back uh, in a couple of weeks ago from my first trip to India for, well, in three years. And I have to go back a little further than that. My very first trip into the red light areas and the safe houses of India Partners was about 10 years ago. And on the day that I was in that safe house for the very first time, there was a young girl brought in to that safe house. She was, get this, six. Hmm. She was six years old. Her name is Muskan. And I was there when they processed her in, so to speak, and got the paperwork figured out. And she was just already at that age, pretty vibrant, but damaged big time. You know, tears came so easily for her. And over the years in my visits, I've watched her in the safe house start to grow and mature. And I'll, I'll fast forward because we talk about the, the ongoing work of Jesus in these safe houses. Every day as Muskan was going through our program and learning scripture and having devotion and learning to read and write and to sing and worship in our in our services that we have. Uh, it was like a drop of water every single day, every single day. And so when I met her again uh, just this last, uh, this last couple of weeks ago, uh, we sat down and I hadn't seen her for three years. This young woman is vibrant and in love with Jesus, so much so. And I had something happen that's never happened uh, with me at all. We're having this conversation, and at the end of that conversation, I just said, Muscon, I want to pray for you. She said, please. And so we prayed. And we got done after that prayer, and she looked at me, and she said, now how can I pray for you? I love that. And I was like, oh, my word, I've never had that happen. Mm. And so uh, I told her a few things that were on my heart, and, uh, and I tell you what, she didn't give me some lip service prayer. Uh, it wasn't a formal prayer as in, oh, you asked, you know, you prayed for me, so now I'll pray for you. 
it was a five to eight minute heart on fire prayer. Wow. And this girl has just been set free by the love of Jesus from where she came from to where she is now. And so, you know, I asked her, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. I asked her, I said, okay, so, all right. So God's been doing this amazing miracle work. You're, you're 17 years old now. I mean, what does the future look like for you? And she goes, well, I did one of these little assessment tests about my skill set, and I either want to be a pilot or a fashion designer. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed. I was like, those are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum there. You're a pretty talented young lady. So, but she's got a future. That's the point. She's been set free for a future. Mm. So we're inviting you to partner with this ministry, India Partners. Your gift helps provide a safety, rescue, care. A couple numbers for you. $62 provides a week of safety, rescue, care, 124, two weeks. And then it goes up from there, but certainly gifts of all amounts go toward providing these safe houses, staffing these safe houses, providing the care, compassion and support that these uh, young people need. Correct? Yeah, that's it. It costs us $3,300 for a year to underwrite their care. And that's every part of it, including the counseling in the private schools. And uh, if you desire, you can help out as well. We've got a keyword for you. Just text the word India to 312 Two seven four nine six two four. Just text the word India to three one two two seven four nine six two four. David, thanks for being with us today. What a joy and delight! Thank you for the partnership. It's so appreciated. Man, I appreciate that interview, Allie, and uh, the intensity of this. I mean, it's it's heavy duty. It's I mean, heavy it's, duty. Peel, man. Start peeling back the layers on what's going on in some of these places. Ooh. You go, wow! What can we do about it? There are so many things in the world going on, but you know, you know, as we get these, we put them before you, Boom Crew, and thank you for responding. We love you guys. We got the link right now. Yep, just text the word India to three one two two seven four nine six two four. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew as we help you take your next step with Jesus. You're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.